Good morning. I'm Walt Jost. I'm one of the elders here at CBC, filling in for our pastor who is on sabbatical. I think Aaron will be back this week, sometime anyway, so uh, we're excited about that. Uh, thanks to Adam Johns for uh, helping to organize the uh, sermon series on Colossians, and uh, we're continuing that this morning. As a child, growing up in a pastor's home came with expectations. Some were spoken, and others were simply implied. I recall on multiple occasions being told as I was leaving the house for an extended day or days away from, from home to remember, you're a Christian. It was a not-so-subtle warning or encouragement to walk the walk and talk the talk, to watch what I said and what I did, to live out the Christian life I had embraced. In today's text, Paul is to some degree telling us in the Colossian church, as he wraps up his letter to the Colossians, to remember, you are Christians. At first glance, it may seem that these five short verses are just random closing thoughts or ideas that Paul wants to be sure he communicates at the end of this book. But I think as we look at it more closely, you'll agree that it's really a tightly orchestrated or very pointed outline as to how we should share the gospel with others, how we spread the good news of Christ. The central question of this text, or that this text answers, is since Christ is supreme, how do we communicate that to others? Once again, since Christ is supreme, how should we communicate that to others? There are three key components or ways that we are told by the Apostle Paul to communicate Christ and his supremacy in this text. They are how we should share the good news each day with with really everyone we meet. And those three words that we're going to look at are pray, walk, and talk. Please listen as I read today's text from Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6, and this is out of the ESV. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word, to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. One of the commentaries I looked at in preparation for this for this message said that verses 2 through 4 center or focus on speaking to God about people, and verses 5 and 6 center on speaking to people about God. Let's look at verses 2 through 4 
and see what they teach us about that first key component in sharing the gospel. That's prayer. They say, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Prayer here is to be ongoing. Paul says, continue steadfastly in prayer. The NIV translates that as devote yourselves to prayer. In 1 Thessalonians 5.17, Paul says, pray without ceasing. And again, in Philippians 4.6, he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Prayer is to be a regular, consistent part of our daily lives. The Oxford Dictionary defines steadfastly as in a resolutely or dutifully firm and unwavering manner. Paul reminds us repeatedly to pray, but not just to pray, to pray hard, to pray without stopping or wavering, to pray in everything, to be devoted to prayer. Prayer, according to this text, is also to be watchful. I'm reminded of what Jesus told the disciples in the garden just before his crucifixion. In Mark 14:38, he said, Watch and pray that you may not enter temptation. Some scholars point out that we are to prayerfully watch and be ready for the return of Christ. And that fits well here with this outreach theme of this section. We are to prepare people to watch for and be ready for Christ to return, to come back for His own. I think to watch is to wait expectantly for an answer, to expect God to answer as He promises He will, to pray regularly for those we spend time with as a part of our regular role in society, to pray that they will accept Christ and believe in His saving power. The third aspect of this of prayer in this verse, these verses, is thanksgiving. The ESV study Bible says that thanksgiving leavens our prayers. It keeps our prayers from becoming selfish pleadings to have our personal desires fulfilled. In First Thessalonians five eighteen Paul admonishes us to give thanks in everything or in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And we already saw that in Philippians 4, 6. He says we are to give thanks in everything. Thanksgiving is to be a continual theme in our prayers. And prayer in this context is also to be missional or the first step in sharing our faith with others. Last week in the workshop that Paul and Sarah Ragus did on sharing your faith, they pointed out that the first 
step in preparing your testimony should be prayer, asking the Holy Spirit for help. We are to go to Christ, who throughout the book of Colossians is declared to be supreme or the supremacy with our prayers and our intercessions for those who need to know about Him. Last week, Josh Lewis talked about order and bringing glory to God in the Christian home. Through submission to the Supreme One, to Christ. And this is a continuation of that overarching theme of Christ's supremacy, which we see throughout the book of Colossians. We are to submit in our prayer life and in the way we deal with others. Paul reminds us that prayer is not only to be for ourselves and our relationships with outsiders, but also for those who preach and teach the gospel, those gifted as pastors and evangelists. Paul tells the Colossians they should participate in the spread of the gospel by praying for him and for those with him who are seeking to evangelize, whether in prison or in other cities and towns where they can preach as they are called. Paul is seeking yet another opportunity or open door to declare the mystery of Christ. That open door, I think, is more than just another place that he can go or an opportunity to preach, but I think he's praying for or asks us to pray for an open door that people will respond, that the Holy Spirit will work in and through the people that we are speaking with so that they will be able to respond to that gospel message. That mystery of Christ here is simply the message that God, through Christ, paid the penalty for our sins so that all people, both Jews and Gentiles, through faith and believing in Him, may have a life-giving relationship with Him forever. Paul's desire and prayer request is as ours should be. That is, to make the mystery clear and plain by the way he speaks in the power of the Holy Spirit. So far, we have seen that prayer is to be the first step in outreach. Prayer should be steadfast, it should be thankful, it should be watchful, and it should be missional. The second component to communicating the gospel in this text highlights our walk. Verse 5 says, Conduct yourself wisely, or walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Have you heard parents say to their children, Do as I say and not as I do? I always cringe when I hear that, and I have to admit I've probably been guilty of it myself. I think it's one of the worst examples we can give our children. Children are by nature imitators. They love to imitate what we do, and they watch us closely and want to be just like us. I remember both of my sons at different times pushing their blue and yellow plastic lawnmower behind me as I was mowing the lawn. They were imitating me. They wanted to be like Dad. 
Children love to do what they see us doing. They're not the only ones who watch to see how we act and what we do. They And notice, especially if what we do contradicts what we say. I recall many years ago as a new claims adjuster, receiving my supervisor received a complaint call about the way I was handling an auto claim. I happened to be at his desk when that phone call came in, and apparently in mid-sentence, my supervisor stopped the customer and said, No, you're not being honest. Walt does not curse and swear at anyone. My supervisor was not a Christian, and I don't recall specifically sharing with him about my faith or what I believed. But he had noticed something different about me, and he stood up to the complaining customer. People see us and watch us, and that is what Paul is addressing here. Paul recognizes that not all of us are called to be preachers or evangelism evangelists. We don't all have those gifts, but that doesn't take away our responsibility for sharing the gospel, for reaching out to those who need to know him. Paul tells us to walk in wisdom toward outsiders so that they'll see we're different. We are to be or to live like Christ, to be Christians or As my parents said, remember, you're a Christian. Paul says at the end of 1 Corinthians 10, Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or Greeks or to the church of God. Just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of the many, that they may be saved. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Paul is telling us to imitate his actions, to imitate the way he relates to people. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, teaches in Matthew 5.17, Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good, good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Peter teaches in 1 Peter 2.12, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and give glory and glorify God on the day of visitation. That is what it means to walk in wisdom toward outsiders or non-believers. Making the best use of your time or of the time indicates that there's to be an urgency to our witnessing. A time is coming when the opportunity to choose to follow Christ will be over. So, there must be a balance between urgency and care and wisdom we, dipl- we display toward non-Christians. We've talked about the importance of prayer being the first step in communicating our faith with others. We've talked about the way we walk, or walking the walk faithfully, living faithfully, and being good examples. And now, we finally come to the way we talk. Verse 6 of Colossians 4 says, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, 
so that you know I'm sorry, so that you may know how you ought to respond to each person. I think it's noteworthy that when Paul requests the people pray for him and his fellow evangelists, he asks them to pray that they may declare the mystery of Christ clearly. But when he talks to the people about their own witness toward non-believers, people that they brush shoulders with on a day-to-day basis, he talks about knowing how how they ought to answer each person. Did you catch the subtle difference? We're to walk or live in a way that causes people to notice we are different, that causes them to ask us questions. Then we are to be ready to answer their questions when they ask them. One of the commentators I read says that we are to respond to the questions of others rather than initiate conversations on leading topics or Accept openings rather than trying to make them. We are to speak graciously. That means that we don't try to be overly argumentative or controversial. In 2 Timothy 2.23-25, Paul tells young Timothy to have nothing to do with foolish controversies and the quarrels that they bring, but to be kind and patient, correcting opponents with gentleness. That's very similar language to what he uses here for the Colossian believers, teaching us that our speech should always be gracious. And then he adds another caution. He says, don't be boring or bland. Don't be dull. Don't make the person who raised the question wish they had never asked it. But rather, let your speech be seasoned with salt, flavorful, interesting, even exciting. Our answer should be personal, not a one-size-fits-all answer, not some church cliche, but rather careful, thoughtful, and to the point. Jesus taught his disciples in Matthew 10, 19 and 20, When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. I don't think that Jesus is telling us not to study the Bible, not to study His Word, not to listen. I don't think He's telling us not to prepare our testimony, our witness for others, but rather he's saying, don't worry, don't be anxious, because the Holy Spirit will bring to mind what you've already studied, what you've prepared, and he'll bring to mind just what's appropriate for that situation. Peter teaches us very specifically in 1 Peter 3, 13 to 17, to be prepared. It's a little bit of a long section, but I want you to hear all of this paragraph to get some of the context. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, 
always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet, do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Peter here is in agreement with Paul. We must be ready to answer. We must be ready to answer when people ask about the source of our faith and our hope. Why will they ask? Peter says it's because they see our good behavior. They see that we are different. We have the opportunity to talk because of the way we walk. In conclusion, Paul is teaching the Colossians and us in his closing thoughts in this book to do three things all related to communicating our faith in the Supreme Christ. We are to pray steadfastly, watchfully, thankfully, and missionally. We are to walk wisely and urgently or efficiently so that people will see that we are different and want to know why. And finally, we are to talk graciously, attractively, and personally when we have opportunities to answer for our faith. This is how we communicate Christ and His supremacy to others, according to Paul. Let's pray. Father God, thank You. Thank You for Your Word. Thank You that through it we recognize Your preeminence or supremacy. That in and through Christ, You are the Supreme God. May we live in a way that shows others we submit to You and Your supremacy. And please, help us then to be ready to answer their questions about our hope and our faith in You. Prepare us well for speaking and them to hear your word. Father, may we be faithful each day. I pray in your name. Amen.